0: Ready for some word today? All right, let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans, the third chapter. This is uh, a totally righteous series. And this is part three of our totally righteous series. Uh, I've been talking to you about, and I want to continue talking about life and death. Uh, We've discussed how sin produces death. Right, It's a real spiritual condition that cannot be changed with a fig leaf or any other attempt of man to fix the feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation. There is only one way that a person can recover from a condition of sinfulness or death or separation from God, and that is the new birth, which was provided for uh, because Jesus was our substitute. But like we said before, death has been passed to all men and has thus, and and man has therefore come up with many methods to try to fix this sensation of a disconnect from God. And none of it's working. None of it's working. We got religions galore and none of them produce the life of God. None of them produce uh, a resurrected spirit. Right? Jesus said you have to be born again. Another Bible word is, is, is regenerated. Okay? Or you pass from death to life. But ultimately, we're passing from a condition of unrighteousness to righteousness. And I want to explain this and get into this a little bit more. But always, in every situation, I want to view my life, the world around me, other people, from a heavenly perspective. Okay? Uh, I don't want to just fall uh, into the trap of seeing things through the eyes of of media and whoever has the loudest voice in the earth today, I want to run everything through a filter, through the Word of God, and I want to say, yeah, but does God see it that way? Because a lot of things that are stated, they're said, they're repeated, they're be- they become like colloquialisms, they become, uh, you know, you know what they say, and then we go on and, and repeat what they say. We don't even know who they are. But they said it. And if they said it long enough, it's true. Right? No. <laughs> and, and we want to find out what thus saith the Lord. Right? We want to know what's God's perspective. How does he see people? Is it all blurry and all, you know, mixed up like oftentimes it's presented? Or is there really a cut and dried life and death Righteous, unrighteous, saved, lost. Thumbs up, thumbs down. You know what I'm talking about? And I really really am convinced there is. But first, I want to read from Romans chapter 3 and read the the more depressing scriptures so that we can at least start off with a heavenly perspective. Even though this is not exciting right here, uh, let's read it anyway. And and we won't end there. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 reads, As it is written, so this is a quotation from Old Testament passages, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now, that's a pretty sad commentary on the human condition, isn't it? But I want you to see, this is, this is reality. Okay? I know there's talk sometimes where people will say, you know, human beings are basically good. You know, we're all basically good at heart. And uh, that's not true, though. That's not the case. Basically... Human beings are bad. So I don't really know if I like this sermon. Well, we're gonna fix it though. We're gonna fix it before we move, before we get done. But, but but here's the thing. According to God's standard. And how many know his standard is El Perfecto? Huh? El righteous o. And that's the extent of my El Spanish o. Uh, uh, His standard is perfect, it's holy, it is pure, unadulterated perfection. Anything compared to that that has any degree of sin in it falls short and cannot compare, cannot measure up. So with this basis of how God sees humanity, we can have a starting place. If I have if I approach God with the opinion that hey you're good, I'm good, we're pretty much the same. I mean or we start judging each other on a curve and comparing ourselves with the next person, then we're pretty good. But that's not the standard. All right, person sitting next to you not the standard of holy of perfection. God is. And so we see things through his eyes, we can then move forward. We can then work towards a solution and find out is there any way to recover from this horrible picture of humanity. And thank God there is. But people today are continuing to work hard to attain right standing with God. They're giving it their heave-ho. They're giving it their best effort trying to fix themselves and fix their lives and deal with the guilt and condemnation that, uh, that that is ever so prevalent in their hearts. It's amazing the lengths that people will go to to try to fix this fallen condition, this separation from God. Uh, you know, the suffering people will endure, the, the bondage that they will live under, and it's it's really uh pretty serious in our in our world today. It's uh, it's amazing what religion will do to mankind. I mean it's brutal. It's horrible. And some might think that's strange coming from a church and you know, that you would say that kind of thing. I tell you, let's watch the news today and re, uh, you know, around the world and even this week it's come to our shores, hasn't it? Where people in the name of so called God will take someone else's head off. I mean, it's sad what people will do in the name of God. How they, how this group called ISIS and all this, how they will brutalize and kill and just destroy. And they all think that they're doing it for God. They think they're, they're improving their standing with the creator. That they are better off and they'll be rewarded and, and, and all this kind of stuff. You can see how it is so messed up. Even in our, you know, even locally, uh, you know, when re- religion gets mixed in, so often it produces negative results. Uh, I mean, women usually get the worst end of the stick. In religions across the board, even locally, big religion in our area, the women are nothing. They're nothing. I'm telling you, that's not the way God thinks. I tell you, the Bible says if anyone, uh, uh, that in Christ, there is neither male nor female, Huh? And and, and there, there's a there, the Lord wants to lift people. Religion wants to hold them down and control them, and just try to make them a, you know align to a certain pattern or certain formula, and, and it's just not helpful. But here's the deal: uh, many people today are rooting for humanity to come together, for us to just pull our resources and unite so we can make the world a better place. I'm not rooting for that. I'm not rooting for that at all. Because I don't believe it's possible. I don't believe humanity can unite together and we can just make the world some kind of paradise if we'll all just work together. Because there's a deeper problem than lack of unity. You know what it is? It's called sin. There's a deeper problem that's called no one is seeking after God. And what we need to make the world a better place is mass repentance. We do. We need people to turn their back on their trust of themselves and their own efforts and the world around them and man's ways and man's methods and ingenuity and fall on their face and say, help. Yeah. And you know, that's all the Lord's looking for. When people will stop trusting in themselves and rely upon him and, and, and the work of the Lord Jesus, that's when everything turns around. Everybody okay today? What, what I really want to, one of the things I want to accomplish in sharing this message and parts of this series is no matter how you are personality wise and how you view other things, we must see righteousness and unrighteousness as black and whites. We must be able to cut right through the middle and say, this is right. This is not right. This is God. This is not. Okay. When we can, we're ready to move forward. Let's define this word righteous, all right? I've discovered in, in ministering and talking with people over the years, there is a whole lot of individuals who are Christians, who are part of church and different churches, that have very little understanding. Very little understanding of what we call, what the scriptures call, the righteousness of God in Christ, all right. They have been told for years and years that they're a old sinner saved by grace, and it's muddied the water and made uh, the water and made them view themselves as some sort of uncertainty when it comes to eternity, unclear picture when it comes to their standing with God. And I want to I want to try to clear a lot of these things up. When we talk about righteousness, all right. Let me give you a definition, and let's just keep going. Righteousness is the character or quality of being right or just. Okay, The character or quality of being right or just. Many times it's stated this way. I like this definition. It is right standing with God. If someone is declared to be righteous, that means there's no problems here. That means they are in a positional position place with God where everything is good. Whereas if someone is unrighteous, there's a problem between them and God. There's something not right. And if a person can be declared or stated as absolute fact to be righteous, then that condition must not be conditional upon their behavior that day. Otherwise, we're all in this quagmire where we don't really know where we stand with God. Because we may have missed it and we may have forgotten to confess it. Or we may have not known or we had a bad thought and we didn't get it out of the... You know what I'm talking about? There's always this confusion of, am I good with God or am I not? Am I okay? Or is he okay with me? Or is he upset about something that I'm not even aware that he's upset about? And and the Lord doesn't want us to relate to him that way. To where it's always walking on eggshells. We don't really know if we're okay with God. We can get to a place of revelation where His love and character and plan is revealed to us. Where we are absolutely certain. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? We have right standing. We've been declared just, holy, pure and this is not contingent upon, and I, I'm going to clear this up if it's confusing at all, but it is not contingent upon my behavior that day. My standing with God is not in flux from day to day, from minute to minute, where one minute I'm good, the next minute I'm on the outs. God has given us a, a, a confidence where we can relate to Him from a place of sureness continually. All right. It is a state of being, it is a quality of life. We're talking about righteousness that produces right behavior. Okay? It is the opposite of sinfulness. I like to look and and mess with words a little bit. Sometimes I do I just think this way and because I like to make jokes, but sometimes it helps to to see things. I'm either righteous or I'm wrongeous. Right, you either have righteousness in you, or you have wrongness in you. So, you're either right or wrong. Anybody like to be wrong? I'm not real fond of wrongness. There's value I recognize and I desire to be right, not right as a pride thing. I'm right and you're wrong, but right with God right in my relationship right in my standing it produces peace it produces comfort it produces uh, confidence security it produces a lot of positive things when I know that I'm righteous and not righteousous look with me at Romans chapter 9 Romans the ninth chapter this whole book would uh, if you want to get some good stuff read it all read it all the way through this week and you'll, there's a whole lot of discussion about the very topic we're teaching. Romans chapter 9. Notice with me uh, in verse 30. Romans 9 verse 30. Paul writes here, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not, who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. Now, now watch. Watch. That's quite a statement. He said the Gentiles, those were those non-Jews or those outside of the covenant of Israel. He said they weren't even looking for it. They weren't even pursuing it, but they got it. Why did they get it? Because they approached it with faith. No matter what you understand or know about faith, understand this. It is a big deal with God. Scriptures tell us it is the only way to please him. It's the only thing the only thing that puts a smile on his face. When someone will believe in spite of what they feel and see, God likes it. I mean, he created the world with his words. He speaks and things happen. And when his children operate in that same place, oh, it's good. It's good. It's how, it's how the Gentiles got in on righteousness and the Jews didn't. Israel was looking for it and they didn't find it. But these guys came along and they what? They believed the message about Jesus and all of a sudden they're right in on the righteousness of God. Verse 31, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. So they're looking for it. They want it. They're trying to get it, but they're not getting it. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith but as it were by the works of the law now this can this is very revealing how the kingdom of god works how the lord relates to us it is possible for a person to want something to seek after it to desire it and not get it but their not getting it is not stated as they didn't get it because god didn't want them to have it i mean a lot of people go there well, if you tried to get it, if you prayed for it, if you did this and it didn't happen, then it then they immediately go to, God didn't want it to happen. No, they wanted it. Did God want them in? I mean, his son shed his blood so they could be in. But they didn't get it. Why? They went about it wrong. Do you, know, you ever notice that God doesn't change his methods to adapt to us? The methods are what they are. The standards are what they are. He, entel, he will reveal and tell us as we'll seek Him. Show us those methods and those plans so we may obtain what we desire. And He wants us to desire. But if we don't go His route and do it His way, we just end up on the outside. And this is a prime example. You know, I remember t- talking about healing one time. And a, a, a woman asked me, well, what do you do if you pray for someone and they don't get healed? I said, well, adjust." change until they do get healed so a lot a lot of people would never think that way they would just think well if they didn't get healed then I guess well God's just doing something different here no 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 God is the same yesterday today and forever he's not in flux because of our situation we adjust and we say help me to see this help me to adjust help me to believe right see watch this is what this is revealing to us we must seek the right way Not just seek. Seek the right way. You can pray, but you can pray wrong. You can believe, but believe wrong. You can believe something that's not true. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What if I don't know the truth? Then I stay bound up. You know the reason for a whole lot of bondage in people's lives. They haven't found the answer yet. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Doesn't mean they're not trying. Doesn't mean whatever. They're just not doing it right. That's not condemnation. That's not, hey, you're a bad person. No, let's work this thing out and find find a way. Huh? Let me. I found the door to this and it's over here. Come on, let me help you. We're working together. But you can see by this, it's possible to pray and pray wrong. You know, if that weren't the case, why did Jesus teach us about prayer? And you know, why, why wasn't there one book with one chapter on one verse that it just said pray, period? If no matter, what, it didn't matter how, didn't matter what people say, didn't matter what people believe when they say it, didn't matter who they addressed or in whose name they pray. If it, none of these things mattered, we would just have word and word pray. And that would be sufficient. But apparently there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah. Apparently someone could quote pray, but not do it right. So we teach, Jesus taught, we teach, when you pray, say this. When you pray, do this. When you pray, believe this. When you pray, don't do this. When, you know what I'm talking about? This is not a teaching on prayer, but it's illustrating the principle. There are spiritual activities that, uh, you know, people put in some general broad category and they say, well, as long as everyone's praying, then that's good. No, that's not good. If people are praying without this, they're probably praying in unbelief. Or they're praying in some other sort of mis- Guided direction. I mean, the Lord even told us, I mean, that's why the scripture's full, that we're told what to believe. Well, I don't think that matters as long as people believe. As long as people have faith. No, faith in what? Faith in who? Faith that what will happen. When will it happen? See, and if I can adjust my believing, if I can adjust my praying, if I can adjust my saying... If I can align my approach to God, I can avoid the trap that Israel fell into where they pursued something that was right. It was the right thing. It's righteous. But they didn't get it. If I'm pursuing something and not getting it, it's time to adjust my ways so they will align with his ways. It's time to adjust, adjust my thinking, adjust my believing, adjust my approach. I need to tweak and believe right, because when I believe right, I obtain like the Gentiles in this passage. Everybody with me today? Am I messing anybody up? One of the things I like to, uh, I like to ask if someone says, well, I just believe, or I think, I like to ask, okay, good. What verse? What verse is that based on? Well, I've been praying. I've just been praying, praying long and praying. Hard. Okay, what what verse were you praying? In other words, what word from God do you have that you were believing when you prayed? And if the if the if the, if the mind goes to where, well, I don't know. I just just praying. Well, that's the problem. Everybody okay? Someone said, I'm just praying. But praying what? Praying how? Praying to who? Praying? Well, I'm just seeking an answer. Okay, are you seeking right? Well, I didn't know I could seek wrong. This shows us that, that that's entirely possible. Anyway, uh, moving right along. <laughs> Notice the, la- this, the language of the verse here. Uh, there's works of faith and there's works of the law you know the difference between works of faith and works of the law? That, that it's internal and it's not external. Because many times you can have two people doing the exact same thing. One is doing it as a labor of love to God. And the other is doing it because they believe that God is is holding out on them. They need to do a little bit more, work a little bit harder, try a little bit... Try a little bit harder before they can obtain God's favor and blessing and, and so forth in their life to set two identical actions, two different motivations, two different attitudes. When someone comes from a place and they acknowledge and recognize Jesus did it all. He paid all the price. He did everything that was necessary to, um, to purchase our redemption, to give us right standing with God. And there's nothing we can do to add to that, to make it better, not even a little bit. Then, when that person accepts it, they rest and go, Thank you, Lord. Man, this is good. And then, do they work? Oh, yeah. We're a works church. But it is a work of thankfulness. It is a labor of love. It is, Lord, I just want to serve you because you did this for me. And I know if I don't do this for you, you're not taking it away from me. Because you loved me and it was independent of anything I could do or add to it or take away from it. You just love me and I'm righteous because of Jesus. And that's all there is. But then you got others. Now, now watch. This works to keep people out of eternity in heaven. It also works for those who have received salvation. It works sometimes in their day-to-day in their, in their lives. And they, it, it becomes bondage. It becomes religious weight. On their life. Where they always feel like. I'm not quite good enough. I haven't quite done enough. Need to do a little bit more. Need to work a little bit harder. Need to try a little bit more. And that never goes away from them. And they live with this. Uh, this feeling of. I'm just kind of a rascal. I'm just kind of a low life. And uh, someday when I get to heaven, it'll be oh, it'll be better. No, it's it's already better. It's already better in Jesus. And it's when we believe that and adjust our belief, bam, that we align with God's righteousness and we enjoy the benefits of it. Everybody okay today? All right. This this verse goes on to say you're still probably there. And in, in, in Romans chapter nine, the latter part of verse. Uh, 32, it reads, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Do you know who that is? Jesus. That's Jesus. Verse 33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Notice, whoever does what with him? Works hard for him. No, whoever what? Believes in him will not be put to shame. Shame lives through, shame is removed through faith in Jesus. And so uh, that's what I I need to add to my life, not add something else on top of what Jesus did on the cross. It needs to be a resting, a a confidence that Jesus took my shame, took my pain, and all that's left is righteousness, is right standing with God. But you can see here, Jesus is the place people stumble. We can see that throughout the world. Jesus is. People stumble over Jesus. They're always tripping over Jesus. Tripping over Jesus. What, 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 in what way are people tripping over Jesus? It's hard for the human mind. It's hard for the human way of doing things to accept that we can do nothing. Absolutely zero to save ourselves and give us this righteous place with God. And to believe that he did it fully, completely, and it's settled and it's done. It's just hard to accept that. We always want to have our hand in there somewhere. And that's where religion will help you. And it'll always say Jesus plus. Hmm. Now those who are more new covenant minded, it's Jesus just plus a little bit. Right? As opposed to those who are totally, you know, in legalism. But always people still trying to add a little bit. Always trying to add a little bit. How about we just say, nothing else, nothing else I can do, nothing else, nothing, no work of mine, no effort of mine, no no uh, committed prayer life of mine, no disciplined Bible study life of mine, uh, no amount of giving of my money, no amount of serving, no amount of doing anything is going to make what Jesus did on the cross any more than what it already is. It was completely sufficient to wash all my sin away and give me perfect and right standing with God forever. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. It's chapter ten and verse one. See, these are the there, there, there's, there's different types of righteousness mentioned in here. And we want to make sure we have the right kind. Because Romans 3 said there is none righteous. And that was the condition of the humanity before Jesus came and people started being born again. But now that He has been, He has come, and though there are those of us who have been born again, how many know that statement that there is none, none righteous is no longer true? So you can't do that to the Bible. Yes, we can. I'm not doing anything to the Bible. <laughs> These statements are contextual. They are time sensitive. They're stated about certain conditions of human race during different periods. Now, once Jesus was raised from the dead, this whole place changed. I mean, just like that, people are passing from death to life. And now they were none righteous. No, not one. But now we've been born again. And now we contain something that he deposited in us the moment we bowed our knee and made Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives. Romans 10 verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. What what do you mean Israel? The ones who were looking for this law of righteousness but didn't obtain it. They tried and they sought after it but they didn't end up with it. Paul's not mad at them. He's not putting them down and saying, you rascals, you dirty dogs. He said, no, I'm praying for them. I'm praying because I want them to be saved. What do you mean be saved? Attain to the law of righteousness. Verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Anyone in the world like that today? Yeah. I mean, they're zealous for the thing. They're zealous for God. They're going for it. But they're doing it wrong. They're not doing it according to knowledge. Their, their motive might be a, uh, something that we can applaud and say, yay, way to go. But you have to do it right. Huh? I mean, if you drive up the wrong side of the street out here. In the, in the middle of traffic. It doesn't matter what your motive is. Say, well, it was an accident. I just came back from Australia. And whatever. I drove on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, I'm not, no one's questioning your heart. I'm sure you didn't intend to do something so stupid. But still, Mack trucks hurt. <laughs> Bam. So... They didn't do it according to knowledge. Verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Watch. ignorant of God's righteousness. That's a condition within the minds of people. And seeking to establish their their own righteousness. That's what's happening with so many people in the world today. They're trying to be righteous, but it's not his righteousness. It's their own. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For the for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So what is our goal? What is our we just need to submit. What do you mean submit to God's righteousness? I'm not talking submitting to some punishment. I'm talking about submitting to something really good. But it is. Laying aside my own righteousness, saying, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can add to what the Lord has already done. It is His love for me. It is His kindness towards my life. Nothing I can do. I submit to that. I bow my knee and say, Lord, there's nothing I can do to save myself. I rest and nothing I can do to improve myself. I rest in your completed work in me. And just like that, bam. Righteousness becomes a spiritual reality from God's commentary, not from man's. People on the earth say, oh, as long as people pray, as long as people believe, as long as people work hard, blah, 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 blah. None of that works. That's zeal without knowledge. There is a righteousness found only in Jesus. And if we submit to it, we're saved. And if we submit to it continually... We find our embrace in Him. We find our, 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 our acceptance by God is not in flux from day to day or from minute to minute based upon what, what the last thought we had was. Right beliefs, I really believe, produce right actions. And we should stop trusting ourselves. It's a humbling thing to say as, as, as written in the book of uh, Isaiah our righteousness is as filthy rags. We don't want to say that. Mankind, we want to pat ourselves on the back for our great accomplishments. Huh? We just want to gather together and build a tower. Mm. Look what we have created. Look what we have done. I'm talking the Tower of Babel. But humility says no, we've all together come up short. And we can't do it. But Lord, you did it. You loved us and you put it on. You gave us your son, Jesus. So we submit to that at the moment of salvation. And for the rest of our lives and for the rest of eternity, our righteousness is found in you. And that produces, that gives us the foundation now. The foundation for godly living. For, for the character of, of Christ being expressed through our lives. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about righteous actions and that kind of stuff. But this foundation... This foundation of knowing who we are in Him and trusting in His righteousness through Christ, not our own righteousness, is key to making things work in God. It's key to your prayer. It's key to your healing. It's key to your having victory over other situations. It's key to so many things. And if we'll start from that place, oh, it's going to get better and better and better and better and better. Amen. I don't treat sin as a light issue. God didn't. He took his son, the sacrifice of Jesus, to take care of it. I don't make it a light issue even when Christians sin. I realize people who are born again, they're saved on their way to heaven, do stupid things. I've done stupid things. I don't make light of it. I'm not talking about just brushing that under the rug, act like it never happened. I'm not talking talking that approach at all. I think there's a lot of that going on in the world today. People just say, I'll just confess you're righteous and go on. Now, I think acknowledgement and ownership for our behavior is important in our walk with God. All right? And and that's entirely scriptural. Maybe we'll get into that at some point. But it all starts with this foundation that our salvation is purchased for us and given for free. That sounds pretty basic, huh? But I tell you, it's so easy for people to get away from it and get off into, into the wrong thinking. Let's stay with the Lord in this. Amen? Father, I pray for these today. I thank you for this revelation of your life in us. The life of Christ. I thank you for this revelation of right standing with you. Oh, we so want it, desire it, need it. And by faith, thank you, Lord. We have it. Thank you for what you've done for us. We're not going to try to fix it. We're not going to try to improve on what you've done. It is good. It is complete. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. Thank you for your work of righteousness in our hearts. We submit ourselves unto the righteousness of God in Christ. And we believe. We believe what you have done, what you have said, and we accept this as a finality. And we rejoice and are thankful. We're glad today we serve you with joyful hearts in every way. Thank you for doing the work in our midst today, Lord. You're preparing us and equipping us for days to come. And we're ready because we're right with you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for those who are not yet saved. Father, for all those who've come to church today that are not yet been born again. Touch their hearts and draw them to yourself. Now I pray in Jesus' name, amen.